The Gospel of John, chapter number 11. This is a passage of Scripture we have been to before. But boy, this, this passage of Scripture is so, so full and rich, full of things. We can go back to it again, see the same story, and we're going to be able to see some new stuff out of it. As we've been going through the steps and the walk of Jesus Christ. Boy, the life of Jesus Christ. We're going to learn some more things about Him tonight. So we're going to take a look and we're going to revisit the story of Jesus when He was able to raise this man Lazarus from the dead. And of course, Lazarus, he was the brother of Mary and Martha. This was the same Mary that washed Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair. You know, the same girl. And this is the same Mary and Martha when Jesus came over to their house for dinner. That Martha, boy, she was busy working. But Mary, she was sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha got upset about it. The same girl. So here, Jesus, he's going to raise their brother from the dead. So let's go ahead and start here in John chapter 12, verse number 1. And a good chunk of our lesson actually comes from the prelude of this passage. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which, excuse me, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading in chapter number 12. I'm in the wrong one. I need to go backwards. John chapter number 11. You guys were probably already there. I was reading it the wrong scripture. I thought it looked funny. Chapter 11, verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, in the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let's go into Judea again. And his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Now folks, we're going to skip on down to verse number 32, and the Bible says this. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he was groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself come into the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they might believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. 
and his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Well, folks, what we just saw right here in the passage of Scripture was this. There was Lazarus, this man, he was very, very sick. So sick to the point where he was about to die. And he had two sisters. So there's two sisters and a brother. The sisters were Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha, they were friends of Jesus. They know him, and no doubt Lazarus probably did too. And Lazarus, he's laying on a bed and he's sick. But Jesus, he is way out of town. Like, he, he's nowhere to be found. So they sent a messenger. Jesus, you've, you've got to come and heal Lazarus. Lazarus is sick, and he's going to die if you don't come. And so they looked at him, and they said, Listen, don't worry. Lazarus' sickness is not unto death, but this is going to be for the glory of God. He, he's, his sickness is going to be for the glory of God. And the Bible says that Jesus, he hung out in this town for two more days. So instead of coming running to help Lazarus, he stayed in this town for two full days. And then at the end of two days, he looks at his disciples and says, Disciples, let's go see Lazarus. I mean, don't worry, he's, he's, just, he's just sleeping. And by sleep, he, may, he had actually died. So Jesus, he gets back to the town, and when he gets there, Mary and Martha both said, Oh, Jesus, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. He's dead. He died. Jesus, you're too late. And the Bible says that Mary and Martha, boy, they were, they were crying. And they, were having, they had had his funeral service, and, and there was a bunch of Jews that were there visiting with Mary and Martha. The Bible says the Jews were in, in Mary and Martha's house, and boy, they were crying, and they were upset too. And Jesus, he looked at Mary and Martha and saw them weeping. And the Bible says that Jesus wept with them because he was hurt as well. You know, we often think about Jesus being the God of all. It's so neat to see that Jesus, God in heaven, he cares about us so much. The Bible says that he cries, that he cries. I wonder how many times do I do things that breaks the heart of God? I mean, we, we, we can do that. We can break the heart of God if we're not careful, folks. We can grieve the Holy Spirit in any case. So he gets there, and the Bible says that, that Lazarus, he was in a cave, and they put a big rock in front of it, and that was his tomb. And then he looked at the men, and he says, I want you to move that rock. Get it out of the way. And then Martha's thinking, Lord, you better not. He probably stinks. He's been dead for four days now. I mean, we, we know he stinks. He says, no, move the rock. So they moved it, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And here in my mind, I'm picturing this. This guy, he's wrapped up like a mummy, and he's just trying to waddle out of the cave because the Bible says he's wrapped up in grave clothes, and he even has his face covered up. And so he's trying to tag, and his face is up here. And they're looking at this guy thinking, he's alive. And Jesus says, I want you to go and take those grave clothes off of him because he's alive. Now, folks, while we think of this story, usually when I look at this, I often look at something so tragic as the death of a loved one. Then I think, why in the world did Jesus stay there for two days? And then I'm reminded, Jesus stayed in town for two days so that Lazarus would die. And then when Lazarus died, he got to come and raise Lazarus from the dead. You see, if Lazarus wouldn't have died first, he never would have been able to raise Lazarus from the dead. Sometimes bad things have to happen so that better things can happen. Sometimes the bad things have to happen first just so Jesus can show up and say, now let me show you something better. And folks, that's where the glory of God come in. Now today, when we think of that, I'm going to show you some of the, some of the leading up to and the, I guess, I guess the, the end of, the aftermath of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. There's some really neat things here I want to show you. And the first one comes from a man that probably most people overlook in this story. How many of you have ever heard of a guy named Doubting Thomas? 
Well, we, we like to call him Doubting Thomas. And we, there's a lot of times that, that we use that name. He's Thomas, but boy, he was, he was a doubter because he said, I'm not going to believe that Jesus rose from the dead until I can take my fingers and, and hold his hand and see the nails in his hand and take my hand and put it into his side where they, you know, where they put the spear in it. And he, he wouldn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead until he saw it. So people said, oh, he's a doubter. But let me show you something. We need to also give him some credit because here in this passage, he does something that none of the other disciples do. And I'm going to show it to you. So let's look at chapter number 11 and verse number 6. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, so Jesus heard Lazarus was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, that's Jesus, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he. After that, he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of death. And they thought that he had spoken, taking of the rest of the sleep. Now watch this. Then Jesus saith unto him plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to inherit, that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now here's Thomas. Then saith Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, I want to show you what Thomas was saying. If, if he was watching the, the dialogue as they were talking, Jesus, he looks at his disciples and says, Hey, disciples, we've got to go back to where Lazarus is. That's, that's where Lazarus died. We've got to go back and see him. And then the disciples, they say, But, but Jesus, you were just there, and they tried to stone you. Now, that's something that when you go back and you look at the, the, the order of things, there was, he, he was in that land. He was in that place. And the Pharisees, the Jews, they came and they tried to grab Jesus and they tried to stone him to death. That was, a, that was a common method of execution back then. They would take a guy, they would throw him out in the streets, then take rocks and throw it on him until he died. They tried to do that to Jesus. But Jesus got away because, you know, he's Jesus. He's God. So he got away and now the disciples are saying... Um, Lord, don't you remember we just barely escaped last time you went? And now you want to go back again? And they're thinking, Lord, this is, this is crazy. You shouldn't go back there. And then Jesus starts telling them about how it's important that he goes back to Lazarus. And then as Jesus, he turns and he begins to walk away. And I see Thomas. They're sitting there looking at the other disciples. They're all trying to figure out, are we going to go too? I mean, because he's going. I mean, it's not a matter of what we want. He's going. Then Thomas says, all right, men, listen. We're going to go and we're going to die with him. Because they thought Jesus was going to his death. They knew, Jesus, if you go back there, they're going to kill you when you get there. They are going to stone you. They're going to catch you this time. You barely made it out last time. This time they're going to get you. Thomas was a guy that was so loyal. He said, you know what? If he's going to go and he's going to die, boys, we're going to go and die with him. Let's go. Now, man, you talk about someone being loyal. 
You think about someone wanting to to follow their leader even unto the point of death. Folks, Thomas was someone that was willing to follow Jesus when none of the other disciples spoke up. Right there in verse number 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with them. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave for four days. And that's verse 17. That's when he get there. So they went. And you know, here's my question. I wonder this. How far are we... Now I realize we're not the 12 chosen disciples, but a disciple meaning a follower of Christ. As disciples, how far are we willing to follow Jesus? Would we be willing to follow him even to his death? If Jesus were here with us today and, and we were walking with him, we were talking with him and he, and he taught us and I knew for a fact that he were getting ready to go to a town where people hated him and most likely they were going to drag him out in the street and kill him. Would I be willing to go knowing that I would die? Now, Jesus isn't here for me to follow in his body to go with him to the grave. But I want to tell you this. Are we willing to follow him if it would cost us our life where he sends us? What if I knew for a fact that God was going to send me to a place where, say it was some place that was absolutely riddled with, with, with the Muslim and the Islamic people. And boy, they hated Christians. Man, if you, if you proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and say that he's God, that's it. Man, it's death sentence. And God looked at me and said, Trevor, I want you to go and I want you to tell him. Would I be willing to go? I mean, am am I really willing to give everything to God in that way? Man, that's that's more left than me just saying, okay, here's here's my death notice. I'll see you guys later. And then I would be going to my death. That's what Thomas thought he was doing. He honestly believed that he was going to die. So I have to ask myself, how surrendered am I to Jesus Christ? Because there are sometimes, I want to tell you, it's hard for me even to follow the simple things. You know, sometimes it's easier for me to just lay in bed and sleep in for a couple extra hours than it is for me to spend time reading my Bible. And then I think Thomas was ready and willing to go and die. Man, that's, that's, a, that's a huge amount of life. That's a huge amount of sacrifice. You know, for, for me to take a look at the things that are around me, that means Thomas would have been giving up his family. He would have been giving up his house. He would have been giving up his home, his, his friends. He gave it up all. Folks, we ought to be bold that way, to stand up. No matter what Jesus asks us, that we we would be willing to give that to him. Now, I want to show you something that Jesus said. Look at what he said to Thomas that made him think. This is going to be back up in verse number 8. His disciples saying to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? You're going to go back? And Jesus said this, verse number 9. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Folks, what he said was this. He kind of used a little bit of a little bit of a parable. He kind of used a little bit of a story. He asked him this. He's like, there are only twelve hours in a day. You guys know that. Half the day is daylight, half the day is darkness. There are only 12 12 hours in a day that we get, okay? I mean, back then, if they were in a field, they wouldn't have had a tractor where they could turn on the headlights. You know, you had half your day and that was it. And so Jesus says this, while it is daytime, while we have our 12 hours, we've got to work. 
there, while it's daylight, you can go out in the field, you can work, and you can walk, and you're not going to trip and fall. You know, you, you won't step on that, that tree branch. You won't, you won't step on that rock. You won't twist your ankle while you're out in the woods. But when it's nighttime and you can't see, you're going to stumble. You're going to fumble around a little bit. Folks, this is what Jesus is alluding to. When it come time for Jesus to die on the cross, He talked about that being His hour. He's saying, you know what? It's come. My hour has come. I'm only here for a little while, and then my time has come. So they look at Jesus, and this is basically what He was saying. Jesus, don't you understand? If you go, they're going to kill you. And Jesus is saying, I understand that, but I've just got a little while for me to be here and do something. And then after that, the darkness is going to come, and I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be able to do those things. I'm, I'm not going to be able to serve. You see, Jesus had a plan. It's amazing that Jesus, he, he, he didn't look at these individual incidents in his life. He looked at his whole life and he looked at his whole purpose. What is he doing with his life? What is he going to accomplish with his life? And we have to ask ourselves kind of the same thing. Do we see that my life is simply a match? I'm going to strike it. I'm going to burn it. And when it gets to the bottom, it's done. What is it going to burn for? Is half of it going to be burned for me, then the rest of it be burned for Jesus? Is, is the whole thing going to be burned for the Lord, or is the whole thing going to be burned for me? Because once it's burned up, it's burned up. You know, that's the way our lives are. We've got just a little while. And the whole time, Jesus, while He was looking, He's like, yeah, you know what? There might be death over there. But even if there is death over there, that's okay, because I'm still doing what I'm supposed to do. I am still going where I'm supposed to go. I'm still going about the work of God. And they understood that he had a mission. He had a job that he was supposed to do. And he was going to work while he had the time. Folks, we need to realize we ought to do the same thing. We need to work while we have the time. And in that working, we ought to be bold like Thomas. When everybody else is willing to sit the sideline while Jesus is saying, we're going here, I should say, no, I'm going to go. And if it costs me my life, I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to give him everything. Give it all to Jesus. Now, now in between, this is when Jesus, he shows up. He gets there. Lazarus is raised from the dead. And after he raises Lazarus from the dead, this is going to be our third kind of lesson, our third point for tonight. Folks, Jesus, he didn't waste his miracles. He didn't waste his power on, on magic tricks, okay? He never did anything just to say, hey, I'm going to do something to show you, say something kind of neat. You know, we do magic tricks today for fun. It's, it's funny. My boys, they'll try to take a quarter or something. They'll put it behind their back. See, it's gone, you know, it, it, for fun. Jesus never did that. He always had a purpose. Now, I want to show you what happened here at verse number 38. I'm sorry. Let's start reading at verse number 41. John eleven forty one. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lift up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but, watch this, because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe. And that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Now watch 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. 
But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. So, we have a couple groups of people. There at Mary's house were these Jews. The Jews, remember, they're the ones that put Jesus on the cross. The Jews are the ones that didn't believe that He was God. They still want to do stuff the way the Old Testament does it. But here's Jesus. He's showing up. They didn't believe He was God. Now, there were Jews that were over at Mary and Martha's house, and they're, they, you know, they're giving some hugs, and they're comforting Mary and Martha, and they're saying, oh, your brother's dead. We want to, you know, can we bring you over a, uh, you know, a pot roast or something tonight? They're caring for her. And then Jesus shows up and raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, who was there watching that? The Jews. They went with Mary and Martha to the grave. So here at the grave where, where the stone was in the way, you've got Mary, you've got Martha, you've got the disciples, you've got Jesus, and then you have this big crowd of Jews. It wasn't just Jesus, Mary, and Martha. There was a big crowd of people there too. So Jesus looked at some of those men and said, hey men, move the stone. So some of those men came and they moved that big rock. And then they saw Lazarus walking out of this tomb he was, had been in there for four days, and they saw him die? Now, one of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to believe that this man is Jesus Christ and he has power, or you're going to just try to reason within yourself, there's, there's some way this is just some kind of trick. There's just no way. There's just no way. Because we see those two groups in verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Folks, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead so that people would believe on him. Lazarus died so that Jesus could come and show who he was. Lazarus died so he could prove that he had power over death. Lazarus had to die so he could prove to the Jews that he was God. Folks, God took a bad thing in one person's life and turned it into something good in other people's lives. Folks, there was an opportunity where and we often don't think about the good side of when bad things happen. But back in Carolina, there was this runner. And it fails me, I don't know his name, but he was a high school guy. And he wasn't too far from where I lived. He was 17 years old. He was a track runner. And boy, from what I understand, he was pretty good. And so he was out there, he was, he was exercising one day, and he was running. And he, you know, he was sweating, and his heart was pumping. And as he was running around that track... Just all at once, something popped in his head, and he fell forward dead while he was in the middle of a run. And folks, everyone in the high school, they knew this kid, and they're thinking, what happened? This kid was 17. He was a runner. He was the picture of health. And then they had that young boy's funeral. And folks, at that funeral, there were many, many people there that had never heard the gospel. And folks, the man that stayed behind the pulpit and gave his funeral and gave the gospel and told people how they could be saved, and there was a number of people that trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior at a funeral service. Now, was it a, a, was it a joyful thing that this young boy died? No. But I'm going to tell you what. That boy is going to be in heaven with a number of other people because of his death. That's sort of like what's happening with Lazarus. Lazarus died. Jesus rose him from the dead and said, Look, I told you, I'm God. And then the Jews said, oh, he must be God. Now, this is something, this, this one verse, I had never considered this next part before. But I believe the history of the world hangs on this next verse. Watch what happens. Verse number 46. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. 
Now, we're going to keep going. That's not, that's not quite the key yet. But you see, there's some of these Pharisees, they're watching Jesus, and they saw Lazarus come out, and boy, they're getting cynical. What's, what's going on here? There, there, there's something to this. So they went and they left and they went over to the chief Pharisees. These were your, you know, your uppity-up people that were in the government. And they were, they were wanting to just shh, keep Jesus quiet. Let me show you what they said themselves. I'd never seen this or, or never noticed it rather. Look at verse 47. Then gathered the chief priests and Pharisees a council. So they basically had a business meeting to figure out what they were going to do. And said, what do we? For this man doeth many miracles... Verse number 48. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. I'd never noticed that before. Even the Pharisees looked and they were in this council. They said, if we just let this guy go, everybody's going to start believing him. They're going to keep watching his miracles. They're going to see how good he is. And they're going to start believing that he's God. And I'm thinking, duh. That's, that's the point. That's what Jesus is trying to do. He does these miracles to prove that He's God, to show people that He loves them, and to show people that He's there to save them from their sin. But they wanted to stop that. They wouldn't have it. And here's why. Verse number 48. If we let Him thus alone, all men will believe on Him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Now, Here's what these guys were afraid of. If you do a little history and you search Roman history, Jesus died, that's when the clock reset. So if someone says 200 BC, that's 200 years before Jesus died. And if it's, you know, we are now in 2019 AD, some people would say that means after death and before Christ. Anyhow, we are now 2019 years after Jesus died. The clock reset at that point. Now, folks, what happened was if you start looking around 100 years B.C. before Christ, and if you start looking around, again, 100 years afterwards, that's when the Roman Empire started growing and growing and growing. And that's when the Romans pretty much took over the face of the known world. And at this time, the Roman people, they were starting to interweave into this land. They were getting into Israel. They were getting into Judea. And so these guys, these great warriors that were taking over place after place after place, they wanted to make sure there weren't going to be any rebellions. They didn't want any kind of uprising. They didn't, they didn't just let anybody keep their land. If you got to keep your land as a city, that was a privilege. So these Pharisees, look at what they said. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. They were afraid that if Jesus kept preaching, that if Jesus kept teaching, that if he kept getting more and more followers, boy, we've got to get him quiet. Because if he gets enough people, surely the Romans are going to figure it out, and they're going to come and they're going to take our power away from us. They're going to come and take our, our city. They're going to come and, and take our whole country. They won't let us be in power anymore. They'll, they'll, they'll conquer us. Which around A.D. 60 and 70, they did anyway and destroyed the temple. But folks, that's what they were afraid of. They were afraid of some dictator miles and miles away. And because of what they were afraid the government was going to do, they had to keep Jesus quiet. They didn't need any kind of rebellion known. Which, by the way, those that did believe on Jesus, they eventually ended up were executed by a man named Nero. 
which there again falls into that same, that same story, that same historic account. Folks, Jesus' miracles were a witness to Mary, to Martha, to the Jews, and then to the Pharisees as well. I think there was something deep, deep down in the hearts of the Pharisees. They knew that Jesus was special. They knew. It was right here that they had decided, we've got to get him killed. We've got to get rid of him. Because if he keeps on, this is going to be bad for our country. Look at what they said in verse number 49. And one of them named Caiaphas. One of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest the same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all. Nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation should perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. Folks, they had already devised a plan right then and there. Now we're getting up to the crucifixion of Jesus. They saw that Jesus was getting this great group of people, and that high priest Caiaphas, you hear about him at the death of Jesus, he said, boys, we're going to get him killed. Because it doesn't make sense that our entire nation should die from the Romans just because this one man wants his little group. What we're going to do is we're going to kill him. That way all the rest of us don't have to die because of the Romans. That way they don't you know, think that we're trying to rise up against them. They were more afraid of man than they were of Jesus. And folks, this falls back to the same thing that what Thomas just said a few minutes ago. He said, boys, we're going to follow Jesus even if it takes us to our death. We need to realize and not be like these Pharisees, no matter what the government says around us. No matter where the government goes, no matter where politically as a country we end up leaning, even if Christianity, heaven forbid, were ever to be illegal, I would hope and pray that all of us would be willing to stand up against those that tell us not to and say, no, I'm going to stand with Jesus Christ. I am going to stand with the things of God. I am a believer of Christ. And folks, if you start reading the lives of these men, there's a book. I know at one time we had it in the back. It was called Fox's Book of Martyrs. You can read the lives of many of these men that did something like that. And yeah, it cost them their life. They were put to death for it. But boy, we commend them for being so bold. Folks, this is where we see that plan was devised. This is where the men got it in their hearts to go kill Jesus. Because they knew if he kept on, people would believe him. Because he was God. And people did believe him. But I'm going to ask you to simply these, these three points of what we've seen out of this passage tonight. Number one, are, would you say you're willing to be bold like Thomas? That's a hard thing. I mean, there was even another guy that, that wasn't quite so bold. I mean, you remember Jonah? He said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And then Nineveh was a place where he probably would have been killed. Lord, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm going to go this way instead. But God took care of him there. He, he was afraid. Would we be willing to follow Jesus if we knew it was going to his death? Folks, Jesus' eyes, they were on his purpose. He knew he had to die. And I believe, well, no, I know because Jesus knows all things. Jesus went back to that town because he knew they were going to start hatching that plan. Because he knew he was supposed to die. That's why he was here. He knew it ahead of time. Folks, do we keep our eyes focused on Jesus' grand plan? Or do we look at a plan for ourselves? And then lastly, we understand that Jesus, all the miracles that he does, he does them for a purpose. And he raised Lazarus from the dead so that that would be a witness to everyone that he was God. Let's go ahead and have everybody head bowed and we'll have every eye closed. And I want to challenge you with this tonight. 
where does your allegiance with Jesus Christ lie? I'm not saying that, I'm not asking, do you, do you believe that he's God? I'm not asking, are, are you saved? I'm saying, as a Christian, how far does your loyalty go? If Jesus were to say, come on, I'm going to the place where I'm going to die, would you say, hey, we're going to go with him and we're going to die with him? Or would you say, uh, I wonder. Let's just see how this plays out. Our God in heaven, we love you. And what a lesson it is that we were able to learn from a man such as Thomas tonight. Lord, he was bold to follow you. He was willing to go. He was willing to give you everything. And I pray that the same thing would be true of us. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you and maybe be willing to give you our life and our all. So with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I want to give us just a moment to be able to do business with the Lord. Maybe in the quietness of your seat, you've got business you would like to do with the Lord or you just like to spend time kneeling in prayer. This is that time to do so. I would hope and pray that we'd be willing to give up everything for Jesus. If it would be our houses, if it would be our land, our friends, family, prosperity, maybe even our own lives. Could we give it to Jesus if he asked it? Father in heaven, again, we want to praise your name and lift you up for being so good to us. Lord, we thank you for coming to earth and dying on the cross. Lord, while it seemed like you were here, everything was against you. These men plotted against you to take your life. There were those that in rebellion disbelieved. Lord, it's a difficult thing to understand that that was part of your plan. And while you went through that dark day, I'm thankful for it because that's how I was able to have my salvation. Thank you. Now, Lord, even so, may we be willing to stand up and be bold in the face of all adversity. Lord, should any time come where we have to speak out against the, the, the evils of those that would want to quiet the Bible, want to quiet the Word of God, may we be willing to stand up on His truth, even if that would take us to our death. Father, bless us now as we get ready to leave and, and to go our separate ways. May we honor you with everything that we do this week. And Lord, help us to live for you in every moment. For it's in Jesus' name, amen.